Did the Baltimore Ravens overpay for Odell Beckham Jr.? We talk about that, what Odell brings to the team, what impact he has on the Lamar situation, and the Ravens draft strategy, and so much more coming up next year on this Tuesday edition of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravens. Why are we here on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day? And thank you so much, as always, for being here, making us your first listen each and every day here on Locked on Ravens. You can subscribe for free, both in audio form and in video form on YouTube. No money in involved. Daily Ravens content, five days per week. Here, any Ravens news analysis updates, we have it here for you and it's a taco tuesday and back with us what's that twitter gif is like it's been 84 years it is spencer schultz of exit 52 a whole change up with the with the podcast spencer's been doing great things over there and i believe still writing over for baltimore beat down as well and, and it's been almost two months spencer we, we have a lot to catch up on this has been a wild and, and crazy off season we're, we're, we've been locked on lamar jackson here forever i mean how have you been and how's this offseason been for you over these past couple of months? Uh, it was a pretty kind of boring one in many ways and one where it was just kind of a lot of not football, football talk, a lot of speculation about Lamar Jackson. The Ravens kind of stood tall, didn't make any real crazy moves outside of the non-exclusive franchise tag. And so been a little, little stale, you know, the Ravens haven't done anything too crazy up until yesterday where they finally launched into a, a pretty gigantic move that felt like it spun all of the gears into motion of what their kind of true plans might be this season a little bit. There were some rumors about them, I guess not rumors, Darius Slay himself saying that he almost signed with the Ravens for a three-year $42 million contract. So it was detected that the Ravens were fishing for something big, trying to bring in some sort of big veteran, maybe a DeAndre Hopkins, ends up being Odell Beckham Jr. So that was a super exciting move. And we see the response that Lamar Jackson seems to have to that and finally feels like there's some traction in that department. So it was a little anticlimactic in many ways is no one really made an offer on Lamar Jackson. The Ravens didn't really do anything in free agency aside from signing Nelson Aguilar and, you know, bringing back a couple veterans, helpful veterans and things of that sort. And then finally, boom, we get the big splash of Odell. So uh, the draft upcoming here, time to kick things into gear. I think the Ravens will make a couple more veteran moves as well, especially maybe after the draft as they like to do typically and to get that Ben Powers comp pick to stay in place, which was a pretty big one. So it's uh, been, been quiet for the most part, but here we go. Yeah. And Odell, huge move for the Ravens one year up to $18 million and $15 million in guaranteed, which I think a lot of people were surprised at just because the initial asking price for Odell was reportedly $20 million, and then it dropped down to fifteen. and people were saying, well, there's no way Odell's going to end up getting that. I mean, how surprised were you, Spencer, that this actually came to fruition for Baltimore? I know he was planning to visit the Jets, but all of a sudden this kind of happens, comes out of nowhere, and the Ravens snag him here. Were you kind of expecting him to go to the Jets, or did you have an outside maybe inkling that Baltimore was a real option? It felt like the Ravens were a real option, but it was definitely surprising when it happened and the way that it happened and with Odell reportedly supposed to go visit the Jets, like you said. 
And then, bam, the Ravens just locked him on up, gave him a, a big deal. It sounded like uh, – I think the deal was the most surprising part. It, it sounded like when it was first announced by Ian Rappaport that it's like, okay, up to $18 million. That's probably a lot of incentives, and what can be tagged is not likely to be earned incentives that won't count against the cap this year and things like that. And it wasn't. The Ravens gave him $15 million guaranteed, uh, which, which sounds like a big number, but their use of void years on this reportedly will keep that cap number around $4 million this year. And when you go consider, I mean, Alan Lazard got, you know, $22 million guaranteed. Juju Smith-Schuster again cashes in this year with uh, the the Patriots and gets, you know, $16 million guaranteed. Adam Thielen got a three-year $25 million contract uh, when, when he looks like a little bit of a shell of his former self. And I just, I mean, going back through the last couple of years here, the big contracts, Christian Kirk gets a, a massive deal, $18 million annual average value. Allen Robinson came off of a really down year in Chicago. He got... $15 million guaranteed, a three-year, $46 million deal in 2022. Uh, guys like Zay Jones, you know, who did have a really good year in Jacksonville, but he got a three-year, $24 million contract. Russell Gage goes to the Bucs, does nothing for them, gets gets injured as well. Uh, you know, he gets a three-year, $30 million deal. Jakeem Grant, Cedric Wilson got three years, $22 million last year. We didn't hear a peep out of him. You can go back to 2021 if you want and, and look at, you know, Kenny Galladay. $18 million, didn't do a ton. Corey Davis, someone that I really liked and, and thought maybe if Odell went to the Jets, the Ravens might end up getting, got $27 million in total guarantees. Curtis Samuel, you know, Nelson Aguilar back then. So in the realm of who Odell Beckham is, in the realm of what he did in the Super Bowl, in the realm of the fact that he can play on the ball, off the ball, has been there, has done that, all of those things. Um, you know, is it an overpay? Maybe, but... It's free agency. You always overpay in free agency. Free agency is for losers. Free agency is for I made a mistake in the draft and now I have to go overpay to replenish that position. So uh, that's the reason that he is a Raven. The Ravens overpaid him to keep him away from the Jets. They, yes, they did overpay him. They said, we don't want you talking to anyone else. We don't want you going anywhere else. We will pay whatever it takes for that to not happen. It wasn't like, oh, I've got two equal offers and I'm going to pick the one that, you know, whatever stands out to me for any other reason. They overpaid him. But uh, with that in mind, you know, it reminds you of the Steve Smith sign. It reminds you of the Anquan Bolden trade. It reminds you they're they're bringing in the third contract type receiver, the 30-year-old, the been there, done that professional who helped win a Super Bowl for the Rams. And what you can expect out of Odell, you know, maybe injury-wise, there's a little bit of a question mark as a fan, but it would be pretty crazy for the Ravens to not feel really confident in his medicals, at least for him to start the season and look good and feel good and feel right and give him that kind of money. It's it's really one of the larger one-year deals that I can recall for any kind of non-franchise tag player or like a team agrees to a big one-year deal with a player that they're keeping. On the free agent market, that's a big one-year deal. So uh, the Ravens swing for the fence a little bit, but suddenly you've got Mark Andrews likely – Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay. You know, it seems like a professional room of pass catchers that has some season, some experience. I mean, Aguilar, Mark Andrews, and Odell Beckham have caught a lot of passes. We've seen what Rashad Bateman has looked like. Uh, hopefully he's able to stay healthy. So I think that they quieted down a lot of uh, criticism. I think they quieted down a lot of concern and wanted to go make the move. And they got the guy, the superstar, the one to go viral with his one-handed catch and the one to go do, hit the Michael Jackson, you know, shimmy kick in this, in the Super Bowl, they got the star of all stars. And suddenly it feels like, Hmm, maybe now eyes aren't going to be on Bateman and Duvernay and all, you know, kind of your, 
younger auxiliary players and you're not doing the thing where you're expecting a Miles Boykin to step up or a Prochet to step up. If they do, they do. They get their time. No one's thinking, okay, he's got to be the guy now. So definitely alleviates a lot of pressure. And uh, from, from all intensive reports, Lamar Jackson was a big part of that process. So definitely has to play a little bit in that sense as well. Yeah, and, you know, I do, I agree with you that this is an overpay for Odell, but nothing will be that Kenny Galladay contract. That was just, it, it, it was horrendous. And I remember a lot of Ravens fans were clamoring for Kenny Galladay, even Corey Davis. And I was with you on that, Spencer. I, I loved Corey Davis in that for agent class. But to me, Odell is someone that I still think, despite it being an overpay, it wasn't necessarily a huge one, and it could all be worth it. Like, I think it could be a necessary overpay if, this is what keeps Lamar Jackson in Baltimore, at least for 2023. So, I mean, do you feel like this was a massive overpay? Was it a minor one? And is it a, a worth it one if it keeps Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? I think that regardless really of, you know, Lamar Jackson or anything of the sort, if you want to go get someone that is an impact player in free agency, you're not going to get value back on their contract. You're not going to get, $25 million of play out of the, the number one corner on the market. You're not going, you know, what the Ravens signed Marcus Williams to. I love that. Deal. I love the player. I'm, I would do it 10 times out of 10. The amount of money you pay, you're not going to get a deal on in free agency for what you're paying, unless it is a low, 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 low contract, a Matt Collins type receiver, something like that. So I think the Ravens will get what they want out of it. They want to bring in someone to, take the pressure off offensively that is a professional that knows what they're doing, that you can rely on in big situations and in the two minute drill and with the playoffs on the line and things of that nature, trying to go to a super bowl. We have watched him do it time and time again. So, um, you know, medically that's the risk. That's the only risk. The overpay is strictly kind of if they get it wrong and his knees can't possibly hold up and he never really plays football again. That is the overpay, not, they shouldn't have paid that money for whatever he can be for, let's say, 13, 15 games this year. If he's able to play most of the season for them, I would call that a smashing success. And his game is one that is based off of nuance and based off of winning late separation at the catch point, making the big catch, making contested catches. He's a fade machine. He can create separation over the middle of the field. He understands the soft spots and zones. So his game has aged gracefully. His stats on the Rams, I mean, go back and look at the plays he was making. They had Cooper Cup catching 5,000 balls. Uh, you know, they, they had a, a pretty wheeling and dealing offense. And on top of that, I think that speaks even more volume. It's really tough on the offensive side of the ball to get traded or picked up halfway through a season and come in and produce. You don't see it very often. Really, the only other offensive player I can think of at the skill positions, especially a wide receiver, that has come in and, and done that at the receiver position is Emmanuel Sanders a few years ago, who was another productive, successful veteran, came in and did that for the 49ers. If you're a pro, you can do that. You can't expect some third-year guy who's only been in one offense with one coordinator to go learn an entire new system halfway through the year. It's just not going to happen. So I think the familiarity with Munkin already being there, Munkin talked about him in his like introductory press conference. So uh, and maybe it was on Munkin's wish list a little bit. Maybe it was on, it was clearly on Steve Bashotti's wish list. It was on Lamar's wish list. It, it lined up with the stars. Munkin wants him and Lamar wants him and the owner wants him. They made sure they got him with that in mind. You know, the versatility on the ball, off the ball, in the slot, being able to win isolated, being able to win against zone, 
being able to take a little pressure off of Rashad Bateman, maybe having to be the ISO receiver. Now you can move Bateman in and out of the slot as well on the field should be awesome. So um, again, if he gives them any modicum of health, double digit games, it should be a, a pretty good success for the Ravens and help them win some games. Yeah. And I think the veteran aspect of this is really huge. And you mentioned Todd Munkin and kind of the effect that that's going to have, but I want to get to that in the second set, because I think it's a really important aspect of everything is how he fits with what Todd Munkin kind of envisions with this Ravens offense. So we'll get into that in our second segment. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on Locked on Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel and Grand Slams. No hitters and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet. It's to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up, place your first bet. You get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. And how about them O's? They win last night, and you can bet on Aaron Judge to pick up where he left off, potentially with a home run, maybe Adley Rutschman as well, some of the top stars in baseball right now. You can also bet on a pitcher go over on strikeouts or build a same-game parlay with your favorite matchups of the day. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. And you join FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel official partner in Major League Baseball. We're back here, our second segment, Locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still here with Spencer Schultz of Exit 52 in Baltimore, beat down and. Spencer, this Odell signing to me, it gives you a wide receiver room if you're the Ravens of Odell Beckham Jr., of Rashad Bateman, Devin Duvernay, Nelson Aguilar. Those are your top four guys. Then you can filter in the James Perchés and Tyler Wallace and your favorite Andy Isabella in there if you want to. But to me, part of this is the Todd Munkin aspect of it, where he talked about him during the introductory press conference, as you mentioned, was with him in Cleveland. They were together there. I mean, how do you see that pairing going now that they have the experience? And what can Odell bring to what Munkin's kind of envisioning with an offense that hopefully also includes Lamar? Well, I think you really can have him work a pretty complex route tree. Uh, I think you can have him work comebacks. I think you can have him work into some more intricate detail. And his body control, what he can do working on the boundary, what he can do extending outside of his frame to make catches, shielding the football, all are – going to make an impact and his understanding of the receiver position, his attention to detail, his ability again to separate win over top win with body positioning are all top notch uh, have always been. And as he has kind of grown into being a bigger, older framed guy, maybe not running, you know, 21 miles an hour with the football in his hands anymore. Uh, someone doing as much damage on slants and over the, you know, in the underneath yak department, um, it's, it's someone that, again, you can rely on to shield away from the football, understand positioning, leverage, go up and make plays, and has those unbelievable Odell Beckham hands. Those haven't gone anywhere. Uh, you know, his, his knee gave out, but I think he's still going to have those amazing ability to reel in the football outside of his frame, control his body on the sidelines. So um, we also talk about this injury like it just happened. It didn't. It was over a year ago. So has had time to fully heal. And again, the Ravens have to be confident in those medicals. But having two receivers in Bateman and in Beckham, and to a degree, Nelson Aguilar has been that in his career as well. But suddenly you're not dictating or giving defenses answers based on alignment quite as much. If Bateman and Beckham and Aguilar all kind of fade in and out of bunches or stacks or trips or be isolated, suddenly you're not really giving them as many pre-snap process of elimination ability, so to speak. Um, so keeping that mystique of them being able to replicate different things in different positions 
is valuable, is going to make defenses have to process more, which means they're not going to be as fast after the snap. That can save you a step. That step helps you complete a pass. So I think the versatility and ability to perform in big situations are huge things that Beckham is going to bring. And again, uh, in the more kind of fan speculation, I think it just takes pressure off of a Bateman and takes pressure off of a Mark Andrews and the magnifying glasses and on Devin Duvernay and all these other guys that are, you know, are they going to break through that glass ceiling of whatever that means to a fan? So I think all eyes go to Beckham and takes pressure off for everyone else. Yeah. And to me, that's really big. And I think part of it too, was the fact that now these younger guys are going to have the ability to learn from Odell, who obviously has had a ton of success is a Super Bowl champion now and can give them that. I think the Ravens have needed a veteran like this in their room for a while. I know we've talked about it for multiple different offseasons, Spencer. I mean, what does uh, Rashad Bateman learning under Odell do for you? I mean, how excited does that make you? Definitely very much so. I mean, those guys train together in the offseason. I think that Rashad Bateman uh, low-key tries to emulate Beckham off the field in many ways, the fashionista. He likes to, you know, get into the modeling aspect of things and, and likes to take himself in that sense. So I think being around someone that Bateman wants to be what Beckham was gives him a big brother, gives him a role model, gives him a partner, gives him a teammate, gives him someone that he feels like he can relate to. And usually people feel happier in those situations. And uh, on top of it, you know, the familiarity with Munkin's offense, I'm sure helps. For someone who's coming off a foot injury, Bateman's coming off of an injury. Beckham's coming off of an injury. Those guys can can you know keep each other accountable, and I'm sure they'll have a great time. They again, they hang out in the off season. They train together. They seem like buddies. And Bateman's a good bit younger, so I'm sure it's a little bit of a big brother, little brother mentality in a in a positive way. So super excited for that. And you know, it it definitely is probably going to help the mental side of things. Someone who's come back and done it again at a high level and got back and scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl and was productive throughout the playoffs after being injured. What does that take mentally? How do you become a professional? How do you excel as a professional? How can you excel off the field and on the field? Odell Beckham's done it. So, um, Odell Beckham was a hothead early in his career. I think he would say that too. He was very emotional, kicking the nets. He had a 221-yard game against the Ravens where he's kicking a net and kissing a net and scoring huge touchdowns, and his hair's, you know, uh, everybody's talking about his hair. I mean, how many kids dyed their hair blonde the way Odell Beckham did? So, I think Bateman has someone to relate to, someone to look up to, someone to model his game after, and someone that can help him take his game even further, hopefully. Do you still, do you remember that Josh Norman incident during the Panthers-Giants game? How, oh, how yeah. crazy that was? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was insane. I mean, that, that to me, uh, have we seen anything like that since? Uh, man. I mean, the only things that compare, I mean, Andre Johnson and Cortland Sutton back in the day, uh, we have seen, I guess, Marlon Humphrey and Odell Beckham go after it as well. So uh, we, we've seen it all. How do you think that plays out? It seems like Marlon Humphrey's on board. Uh, they're, they're fine. They're both way older now and not playing in the same division. And the Browns were testy and wanted to prove themselves against the Ravens. And Humphrey is a really physical corner that is definitely a nuisance to deal with and uh, has the personality of a four-year-old or a two-year-old, you know, Rottweiler puppy. So He's uh, an interesting, interesting fella, and I'm sure they'll be chummy. I, I actually, they'll probably hate uh, Marlon Humphrey. Everybody hates Marlon. <laughs> uh, so Marlon, I think, is going to be fine. But what? If, let's do a hypothetical. What if the Ravens bring back Marcus Peters? How do you think that goes? Goes fine, man. I mean, I think once your teammates, once you're trying to accomplish the same goal, that stuff goes out the window, and, and some time has passed since then as well. Anyway. 
I'm with you. And I still would like to see Marcus Peters back. I think him, Rocky, I see in one of those veteran options. There's not a lot of corner depth behind Marlon Humphrey right now. But in terms of the wide receiver, Dev Spencer, I kind of mentioned it. Odell, Rashad Bateman, Devin DuVernay, Nelson Aguilar is your top four. I mean, what does that group give this offense? And how confident are you that they can at least be a competent group heading into the season? I think that people, what people want this offense to be, a lot of it has to do with Todd Munkin and and what that offense is going to be under someone who's going to run a little more under center, a little bit more zone, a little bit more play action, boot stuff. If you want to see a more high volume pass attack that looks more like other teams as opposed to what Greg Roman had, then you've got the right coordinator. Yeah, and I, I'm excited. I think so many people want to see Lamar Jackson in a ton Munkin offense, just not in the Greg Roman system he has been in. And adding Odell to that to me, I think is very important. But we are going to talk about draft in our final segment and how Odell potentially changes that and who we could maybe see the Ravens taking, what positions the Ravens could now prioritize. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Still a ton to dive into on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. And you've heard me talk about this mobile game app a ton. And if you ever thought you'd make a good GM, you have to give this game a try. It's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you have to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team and play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty. And it's such a fun game where you have so many good and bad decisions you have to make, and they can have very big consequences on your franchise and once you download it you don't even need wi-fi to play and you want to play this with friends with family you can absolutely do that it is immersive for everybody and with ultimate football gem you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators managing all the finances including negotiating player salaries and terms navigating your franchise with free agency the draft injuries player personnel issues and all the ups and downs of a season all of a sudden a challenging and realistic game world doesn't football gem is completely free and playable offline you can play on the go as you want and when you want to lock on Ravens, this is get a 100% free boost to their franchise using the promo code locked on and all caps in the game store. That's locked on and all caps. Make sure to check it out today. Now the games is at ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate football GM, start your dynasty today. We're back rounding out locked on Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking with Spencer Schultz and Spencer draft. It's creeping up. The free agency kind of crept up on me. I, I, was doing content plans before the week. And I'm like, oh, for agency starts tomorrow. Like it, with all the Lamar stuff, it kind of happened that way. The draft is a couple weeks away. The Ravens have five picks. Definitely feels like they want more. I think the Odell signing gives them decent flexibility. I think they could still definitely take a wide receiver in the first round. And I'd be totally fine with that. But does Odell's presence impact what the Ravens do in a couple weeks here in the draft? I think that, uh, I feel like the right way to put it is it never was going to be what people thought it was going to be. They always wanted to go get a veteran. Maybe if they couldn't get Odell, it becomes Hopkins or becomes someone else. I don't think they wanted to go into this draft thinking we're going to be at 22 and that's going to end up being our guy that we're going to bring in again. We're going to do the rookie receiver thing again, the Hollywood Brown again, the Rashad Bateman again, that has been a little bit of a, a peak and Valley road with injuries and trades and things of that nature. So I don't think it actually changed their plans. It just changed our perceptions of what their plans might have been. Um, corner, we know they're hunting one. Maybe they do bring in a rock scene. Maybe they make a trade. Uh, the Stefan Gilmore trade would have been pretty sweet in hindsight. But there are 31 other teams. Those guys make trades too. You can't make every single trade, despite what Twitter thinks. So with that in mind, I mean, it's a strong cornerback class. I think that Going into the draft, the Ravens probably want to draft 
they usually always use free agency to draft without any hands tied behind their back. They want to make sure that if someone's there that would come in and be an impact player wherever, that they can take them still. So I think we see the Ravens arrange a corner, whether it's a Yassine or someone else, or maybe they are aware of someone who's going to get cut later or a, a trade. It is also a really deep corner class. So uh, the Ravens will add a corner. If they go the first round route, there's probably a couple guys they feel confident to go trot out early, maybe a Joey Porter Jr. Uh, I do like Banks out of Maryland a lot, but I think he might not be quite ready to come in and start day one in a Ravens defense, in a Mike McDonald defense. Uh, maybe a DJ Turner. Maybe that's an answer in a later round where he's, Mike McDonald's familiar with him and he was uh, a pretty relied upon corner in that system. But again, I think they bring in a veteran and I think they want to go maybe, hey, if there's a Lucas Van Ness or a Nolan Smith or a Darnell Wright or, uh, you know, if it is a receiver, if Jackson Smith and Jigba's there somehow, which I don't think is going to happen, or maybe a Bijan Robinson or, you know, any player. If you're signing Odell Beckham, this is the way that I think it changed my perspective and maybe reveals the Ravens' plans. Clearly, they're putting a lot of stock in 2023 and being competitive. It looks like Lamar Jackson in all likelihood now probably going to be back. So you want to have someone that of course can help in the long term, but probably want to get someone who's going to get on the field. You feel is pro ready is start ready is high snap ready. Can at least be, you know, a contributor the way Kyle Hamilton was at the minimum a heavy rotational player fast. So I think that's the route they take in round one. Um, you know, I, I thought that the trade back was a, a very huge possibility, but in that light, it kind of feels like, well, if, there's someone on the board who can come in and play for you. Maybe it's a Nolan Smith, maybe Brian Brzee, maybe someone of that nature. You feel like, all right, that guy can come in and help us fast. That's what we want. You're not as concerned about, all right, we like this guy. We think he can develop, could work into, you know, the plans later. Kind of feels like, hey, the Ravens are using void years for the first time. They just signed down to a huge one-year deal. They've got Lamar Jackson under control for this year and maybe next year, depending on what happens. Go get somebody who can come in, make splash plays for you. Yeah, and I think the trade back situation is one where if you move back four, five, six, seven, eight spots, you can pick up maybe an extra second, an extra third. And on their draft board, if they do pick a 22 and there's not this guy who has fallen off, like Devin Witherspoon falls a 22, that's not happening, by the way. But if someone like that falls a 22, that's a no-brainer pick. But they might have like six or seven guys who they would feel comfortable taking at 22, depending on how the board falls. And maybe you could make that trade back scenario. But Spencer, if, if they don't trade back in the first round, do you envision them having more than five picks in this draft? Do you feel like they'll just roll what they have and kind of go from there? I, I've, again, I, I kind of now getting the feeling they want someone who can help now. If you're able to get that, it's on the board, then you'd pick there. If it's not and there's a willing participant, it does take two to tango, then maybe they can trade back. I uh, believe DaCosta also referenced wanting maybe more picks next year. So maybe that's the trade back situation. Maybe there isn't anyone they think is going to be an immediate contributor on the board above anyone else. They feel comfortable to trade back, pick up an extra pick next year and, and go that route. So it's just tough because it will take two to tango. Maybe, you know, the Cardinals or the chiefs or someone comes calling, but if they don't, you got to stick and pick. If there's no one who wants to trade, you're going to have to pick. So, um, I think at 22 with this board, there's probably a Brian Branch. There's probably Darnell Wright. There's probably a Joey Porter Jr. or someone that you feel helps you fast. And again, because they go get Beckham, it feels like maybe it is a receiver, but maybe it could be a back. Maybe it could be a corner. Maybe it could be a 
defensive lineman, an edge rusher, whoever can come help. So um, I, I think that's fun. The Ravens usually don't work that way. They usually make long-term moves. They usually, uh, you know, always operate for short and long-term vision in mind. But hey, it's fun to watch a team push their chips in a little bit every once in a while. It's fun to watch teams go against their modus operandi here and there, and perhaps they do. Yeah, and it, it's interesting because you know the cost of mentioning potentially more picks next year. Is this a weak draft class to you? No, I don't think it's a weak draft class necessarily. Um, I think the depth is in areas that maybe it hasn't quite been in other years. Like this is a really strong running back class. There's a lot of corners. I think there are corners that you can go get, uh, you know, rush out of South Carolina. I think it's someone that could be a third round pick and start at boundary corner pretty quickly. There's a uh, Johnson out of Texas A&M, a couple guys. Uh, the edge rush class is awesome. There's a ton of guys. There's a lot of guys in that class who – change positions and COVID years. It's kind of maybe the last modicum of the COVID years a little bit. We'll see some next year too. So there's some older prospects in that sense that had a little bit more time to develop and do some different things. Uh, wide receiver, you know, not super deep, not this crazy good class that it has been the last couple of years. Tight end, awesome class, best tight end class in years. You don't need one of those. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but uh, probably not. Uh, so I think the depth is just in different places than it's been. And considering that the Ravens aren't super pressed for an interior offensive lineman right this second, you know, they'll probably add one maybe in the later rounds, but not super pressed there. Tackle, sneaky need. Think that if you could get a right or if you could get a Jalen Duncan or someone and, you know, the first round or third round, that might be a nice place to add to have some insurance for Ronnie Stanley again, Morgan Moses again, someone who's got a little versatility to them. That could be nice. And I think this class does have a few of those. Uh, as well but again depth is just in different spots than than it has been so i don't think it's an amazing class i do like some of the talent at the top i'm a big will anderson fan i think he is a generational type uh player i think people overlook what he was doing as nick saban's first team captain uh two-time team captain and the first true freshman to ever start in nick saban's defense from day one and by the he had i think 24 and a half sacks by the time he was 20 years old in the sec two-time unanimous all-american dude is made out of steel so i love him jalen carter has his off the field issues outstanding player i think jackson smith and jigba is a certified first round receiver um i think he's going to go really high i could see him maybe even going top 10 because there is a significant drop off to me in terms of someone that could be a high volume featured receiver confidently early on in their career outside of him. So um, I think interesting class, you know, corners again, it is a sick corner class and we're seeing a little bit of a, a renaissance of corners where it felt like everyone was playing receiver and corner was a little bit of a more scarce position. Now suddenly there's, you know, four or five, six guys potentially that go in the first round guys like Cam Smith at South Carolina that have outstanding ball production, are tenacious and might not go first round because that's how deep this class is. Devin Witherspoon, absolute unit at 181 pounds, all those guys. So corner class is sick. Some fun players at the top. Um, I, uh, maybe maybe the depth. Maybe the depth in terms of draftable players might be a little lower than it has been. I think some teams have had 190, 180, 200 player boards the last couple of years. Might be like 170 player board this year. So a little bit weaker maybe towards the end of the draft. Um, but, I mean, it's a crapshoot, man. Usually day three picks like 15% of them turn out to be starters at some point in their rookie contract. So 
we love to do our mock drafts and get super concerned about, you know, day three picks, fifth round picks. This guy's your sleeper. This guy's your gem. But in reality, you know, one in 10, you know, two in 10 of those guys hit. Yeah. And you mentioned sneaky needs to me, a couple I've mentioned defensive line. It's not so sneaky anymore, especially after kind of what you look at at the position next year, where really the only guy that you can rely on is Travis Jones with Medibike and Washington being in contract years and Michael Pierce hitting retirement after this contract is up, Brent Urban one-year deal. But other ones, I think Edge, if, if you draft a guy and sign a veteran, I'm comfortable with that depth there. Running back to me is the sneaky need, like the sneaky one. J.K. Dobbins in a contract year. What happens with Gus Edwards? You mentioned your sneaky need as well. But, I mean, let, let's have the conversation, Spencer, about that running back position. Where are you spending capital? Are you spending any capital? Are you spending a high pick, a mid-round pick? Where, where are you with this class and who the Ravens could add? I'm really big on Jameer Gibbs. I do like Bijan Robinson as well. I think both of those guys are instant impact players as well as in the passing game. I think that you can ask them to do things that you can't ask Gus Edwards to do. And I think those can happen immediately. Um, Gus Edwards takes a pay cut. The Ravens could still cut him. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Ravens sit there at 22 if they don't have anyone calling the phone and they don't feel like there's another immediate impact player, and you're looking at someone that can take 10 touches and make five, six guys miss on those 10 touches, would not be shocking at all. Uh, Gibbs, I don't think, goes in that range. I think maybe a little bit later, uh, you know, early second round, mid-second round. I think teams look at him kind of like a DeAndre Swift without the health concerns. So um, those guys, man, I, I think are electric. A chain out of Texas A&M. I mean, there's, there's so many in this class, so many guys. So they're kind of buttoned up. Uh, they can kind of just let it pass them by. But and, and people say you can draft another one next year, but this is a stacked running back class. Roshan Johnson's a lot of fun. Bijan Robinson's teammate. So I don't know. There's certain backs where you can kind of look at them and be like, well, I think he could help us this year. I think we could give him touches. I think he could contribute in the pass game. I think he could work. And we've watched... And it is a different offense. It is not a Greg Roman offense anymore, but we've watched the Ravens struggle when they didn't have backs that were healthy. So J.K. Dobbins on the last year of his contract. Gus Edwards is on the last year. They signed Justice Hill for a, a tiny little two-year contract, partially because he plays special teams. Um, I don't know. It, it just wouldn't totally shock me, and I think it would add an instant impact in 2023 if they were to go after Robinson. And if this is your year... If you're unsure about Lamar Jackson, if if he's going to come play on the tag and you don't know after that and you did the one-year deal for Beckham and you know, you're like, all right, we want to do this thing fast now, I don't know if there's anyone in the draft that is going to make a more instant impact than B. John Robinson on a football field. And the whole running backs are devalued, all that stuff. Well, sure, that was great three, four years ago when teams were playing eight in the box, cover three, following the Pete Carroll master plan. But now we've got light boxes. We've got smaller linebackers. We've got smaller defensive linemen. We've got teams that are uh, fighting to come back and play again and run the ball. The, the, sickle, the cyclical nature of football will never cease to exist. If you take a safety out of the box, you get hit in the mouth by a running back, by an offensive lineman, by a lead blocker. So uh, Bill Barnwell of ESPN and Mina Kimes, two, two very big positional value. They love to talk about analytics for ESPN are suddenly posting, hmm, a lot of the playoff teams spent above market on tight end, running back, and linebacker, and probably center. I think center was slightly above average as well. 
Oh, the spine of the team, because there's less up the middle. Nose tackle is very valuable. You watch Howie Roseman take Jordan Davis last year, super early, trade up to go get him because he's worried about the spine of his defense. If you want to live in those two high worlds, you need really good players to do so. If you want to spread the Ravens out a little bit more and know that you can have a B. John Robinson for two, three years, be really good, have an impact like a, a Josh Jacobs has had this year and in previous years, first round back that can be dynamic in the past game and can hurt defenses, then I get it, man. I get it very much so. And I, I could see the Ravens if they don't like the corners to come in and start immediately. And they're like, we have helped this defense so much. We want to make this offense super powerful. If they're trying to kind of flip things around, then I could see them doing it. It's such an interesting conversation. And I know that pick would have Ravens Twitter in an all out war. But if, if you don't have the first round pick there, if you don't spend it on B. John Robinson, there are mid round guys too. I mean, other guys like a Keaton Mitchell or a, a Kendra Miller. It, it's really interesting just to figure out where the Ravens could spend that capital. Then the conversation goes to well, do they activate four running backs on game day? You know, use Justice Hill on special teams. And then if it's Robinson, Dobbins, and Edwards, you can do that. But the whole conversation, if it's not a corner, if it's not a wide receiver, if it's not a trade down, is it best player available? And is that best player available Bijan Robinson? For a lot of teams, the answer might be yes, considering where they pick. But Spencer, I appreciate you hopping on. That's all I have for you. Thanks for joining me again. It was nice to have you back on the show. And tell people what you're working on, what's been new with you, and what you've been doing. Yeah, continuing to write at BaltimoreBeatdown.com. Going to have some draft content coming out at Ravens for Dummies on Twitter. You can find me there. You can find the Exit 52 podcast covering the Ravens, the Orioles, the occasional Terps, anything else relevant, some Masters talk, which has now ceased, but some golf talk, all that good stuff. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can also check out the Exit 52 podcastcom And that's about it. So appreciate you having me on as usual. Go reward Kevin, the man who gives you the best daily Ravens coverage with five stars or share this podcast with a friend something of the sort thank you so much and i'll talk to you guys soon a major shout out to spencer of course for hopping on talking ravens football all the links will be in the description below to his work so be sure to support him and check him out he does great work and has those opinions about the ravens very valuable ones and they provide a lot of insight so be sure to check out all of his work but that's all i have for you here today on locked on ravens thank you so much for tuning in today again be sure to subscribe audio form video form absolutely free daily ravens content five days per week monday through friday and if you have a friend or a family member who wants ravens content daily we have them covered here so be sure to throw them over our way when we get back here tomorrow more ravens content more odell beckham jr talk more lamar jackson talk so be sure to stay tuned for that and i'll see you right back here tomorrow